Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Uh, we're recording. Uh, the red light's rolling. Uh, hello and welcome to a Half Dozen Things podcast. Uh, it's wonderful to have you join us and listening in. Uh, so I really do hope you enjoy this one. I'm really excited to speak to Darren today about carbon literacy and what that means for fleet operators. Uh, I did actually have a re-listen, Darren, to our original podcast. So Darren and I recorded a podcast a little while ago and I was in the gym this morning and I had to listen to it to make sure that one I don't repeat all the things I asked previously um, and that we've got some fresh content but at the same time that's a shout out if you enjoy this podcast do search uh, Darren Newman on the on the back catalogue and if you haven't listened to it go back and listen to it uh, Darren is an expert in all things low carbon and uh, carbon literacy as well so uh, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on mate um, just for the purpose of the listeners um, are you able to just give uh, give a bit of an introduction if people haven't listened to the previous podcast and they're new to listening to Darren? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, thanks for the introduction, Peter. Um, I think most people prefer Eye of the Tiger or something when they're in the gym, but each to their own. Um, <laughs> must have been like two two years ago now, I guess we did that almost, wasn't it? It's got to be getting on for two years ago, mate. It's got to be yeah. getting on for two years. Uh, time flies. Yeah, uh, Darren Newman, obviously, um, low carbon truck consultancy is my small business. I work on my own. I um, work essentially in, in the area of decarbonizing transport. I've worked in transport all my life. Um, and uh, more recently, I sold um, gas vehicles for Volvo. That was my last sort of employed job, but I've worked in sales, in marketing, product development for Mercedes, for Renault, for Volvo. Um, met thousands of, of both fleet and retail customers over my time looking at you know understanding what they do trying to take money from them in exchange for some uh, nice shiny new trucks um but the last couple of years i've been um looking at how this sector um copes with the sort of net zero and decarbonization so looking at all the legislation all the technology all the guidelines uh, um all the actions and pledges that we need to take um and, and working with with customers large and small really to to, to get them um, on that journey to get them to understand um, what their impact is on on climate what their emissions are from different activities and operations and different vehicles how they can impact those emissions um, how they can plan their future towards you know moving their business towards net zero um i've been uh, doing a little bit of writing as well for Freight Carbon Zero magazine. So getting a few articles published in there now, getting um, getting quite popular on LinkedIn, where I um, tend to act as LinkedIn police for everyone who makes spurious claims about what is and what isn't possible on both sides of the argument as well. So I, I try to... <laughs> You're, you're the moderator. You're the moderator. LinkedIn and all things uh, <laughs> decarbonisation, and that sometimes gets me into some interesting conversations. That's um, fascinating. That's really cool. That's really you know, cool, mate. There's a lot of um, I, I don't know. Well, there's a lot of incentives for people to hold a certain view, and obviously, you can understand if they work for an organisation 
Um, certainly, we've, we've seen the oil and, and the gas and the energy industries um, making certain claims and, and, and trying to push policy in certain directions. People who are, you know, uh, owners of, of large uh, and extremely expensive assets don't want those things to become redundant. So there are a lot of people pushing for a lot of things which aren't necessarily in the best interest of either the, the, the planet or the, the climate or the transport industry itself. Um, and I think there's, you know, claims on both sides of the argument. You know, you've got the, the fanatics who will tell you that an EV will do everything that uh, an ITE vehicle will do. Um, and you've got, you know, the outright deniers on the other side. And it's um, it, it can be very difficult to, to understand what's correct and what's not. Uh, it's difficult yeah. to understand if someone's speaking from a place of honesty or from a place of a vested interest and you know everybody has a an obligation to look after the company they work for everyone has an obligation to um not do anything or say anything that's going to affect the, the profitability of their company even if that company is making something which you know is questionable or maybe outlined in the future so it's really difficult to look beyond the headlines to see what the real message is and to see who's really saying it. And I think that takes a little bit of um, a bit of skill, a bit of diligence, a bit of understanding and, and a bit of thought as to why people make some of the claims that they do. Um, you know, we're going down this path. We have to go down this path. There's, there's lots of legislation around what we can and can't do. We've got phase outs for internal combustion engines. Um, but we've also got different technologies um, in the space. We've got alternative fuels. We've got alternative drive lines. We've got uh, zero tower pipe vehicles. We've got low carbon fuels. So there's a lot of different um, avenues to take. There's a lot of different things to look at, and a lot of different people selling a slightly different message. So you know, my kind of raison d'être is to uh, try and make some of that stuff clear for people that are you know busy running their transport operations and to try and keep their business profitable so um and really you know we're here today to talk about um something else which is going to help operators along that uh, along that road hopefully yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so um I, it sounds like you're being very pragmatic about it, Darren. And uh, so I'm not going to start calling you Darren Thunberg anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, I've, um, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I, I try to steer a neutral path. Um, I've, I, I've got a bit of an apology to make actually after the after the last session. So uh -huh. I got a uh, I got an ouch from one of our um, from one of our previous uh, work colleagues. Uh, because during the last podcast, and I, I, I'd forgotten about it until I listened back and I remember uh, the comment I got, but Rich Morse, one of our old colleagues, uh, oh, commented yeah. commented on the previous podcast that we did. I made a bit of an offhand comment, and it wasn't at oh, all well, aimed, aimed, aimed at anyone, <laughs> but it was, something, it was aimed at salespeople in general. Uh, <laughs> essentially, like you were saying, peddling their own, uh, peddling their own uh, sort of agenda. Uh, and uh, that essentially people could get caught out by buying into it and it not being the right solution. Um, I think I was maybe a little bit harsher than that in the way I said it, and I got an ouch from him. So uh, <laughs> apologies, Rich. I, I never meant to. Uh, <laughs> I never meant to insult you at all. I'm sure. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that salespeople, and particularly in particular, let's say our former colleagues at Volvo, I'm sure they are absolutely. Uh, down the line with honesty around and integrity because it's one of the uh, it's certainly one of the uh, core 
uh, core values of uh, of that business, mate. So, um, yeah, I'm yeah, uh, suggesting that people uh, lack integrity. I, I think you know you have to realise that that people have a duty to to look after the interest of the business that, that they work for. That's and true. That's true. That. And you know, in a, in 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 some ways, you have to believe in the product that you're selling. So you know, that, that is, there's no harm in in being passionate about your product, but obviously mm. you have to. Um, take a step back and say, is this best for me? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. He so, won't lie, but he can be economical with the truth in certain circumstances. He's certainly not going to highlight your competitors or his competitors' best features um, uh, um, unless he's got a good argument to overcome it. But um, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So carbon literacy then. So the, the, the sort of uh, backdrop for this for listeners is that Darren and I have been speaking for a little while. Uh, Darren has been the go-to expert that I go and speak to around low carbon and reducing carbon and around carbon literacy as well. And uh, Darren, you've been working on essentially a training course, haven't you, For that we're going to be calling essentially Carbon Literacy for Fleet Operators, which is the name of the podcast here. And um, it's going to be like a new offering um, uh, from us that we're going to offer in partnership um, to the flagship partners customer base so i'm interested to just hear a bit more about the journey you've been on with that because there's been there's been quite a bit of additional training involved and it seems like there's an awarding organization who provide a certificate off the back of it so are you able to just sort of give us a bit more of an explanation around sort of the background uh, that sort of come into being able to offer this yes well the um well my, my own uh, arrival at this place really was um i was aware that there's an awful lot of information out there there's an awful lot of change going on in this industry there's an awful lot of outsiders saying you know oh my god look at trucks they're so dirty we have to clean them up and there's an awful lot in the press and and we we all know um what's going on and some of the messages so um obviously I, i work with customers directly on on their net zero plans and helping them navigate the world of alternative technologies but i think there's a there's a wider piece to be done and i think there's a it's a lack of understanding um, about carbon, about emissions, about pollution, about air quality. Are they the same thing? Are they different? Um, so what I set out to do was was put a course together, um, which kind of laid out all of this stuff. What's the legislation? What's the pathway? What are the manufacturers doing? What are the potential solutions? Um, and can just give people a better understanding of the whole language and terminology of the world so that when they speak into people they can they can navigate it a bit better so um and carbon literacy was the name i was going to give the course and and sort of part way through putting that together i come across an, uh, an organization called the carbon literacy project um they're a uk-based organization they're a registered charity um and they provide training um generally they provide training for individuals and and um, how they can impact their own carbon emissions and carbon footprint so mm-hmm. i approached those guys because they also they're looking to branch out into different industry sectors so they're working with um, different trade partners to try and um, promote what they're doing with within different business sectors um, so i contacted them and said look i'm i'm working on a a course for the transport sector, um, heavy trucks specifically, is this something you're interested in working with me on? And they said, yeah, absolutely. We've got um, 
Well, they've got a big partner, AutoTrader, in the car sector. So AutoTrader um, has donated uh, a big chunk of money to the Carbon Literacy Project. As I said, they are a charity. Um, and and they're, they're, they're literally training you know thousands of people on what they can do in their personal lives to reduce their carbon impact. Um, so I said, I've, you know, saw that there was some synergy between those two things. So um, I've been on that carbon literacy training. I've got my own certificate now. Um, part of that training, you have to make some personal pledges as to um, how you're going to reduce your personal impact. Um, so I went through that course um, and I've included some of the things that those guys had in, in within some of the things that I wanted to say about the transport market specifically. Um, and now I'm going through the process of getting the course that I've developed certified by the Carbon Literacy Project. So in place of personal actions, we put business actions and what you can do in a transport fleet or transport operation um, to reduce and uh, affect your emissions. So once we get that course certified uh, by the Carbon Literacy Project, um, we'll be able to roll it out, as, as you've said. Um, it's... Uh, it's a minimum of eight hours that's part of their requirements um, and as i said before there's uh, certain pledges and uh, commitments that you have to take they're entirely open as to what you do but you, you have to pledge some action which involves other people and that's i think that's the real key to the carbon literacy project and what they're trying to do because it's very difficult to do some of this stuff on their own okay we all could think we well we can do this we can do that but what you know what tiny little difference does what i do as an individual make so it's all about opening up and, and discussing with other people what they're doing and and so that's part of the 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 sort of qualification period so essentially we'll have a course which will focus on um climate science um what the impact of emissions and, and climate change actually is what are the causes of climate change and we go through what is the um, legislation and policy um, framework around these things how we're uh, addressing it as a world by different sector um, then the carbon literacy course goes into personal carbon footprint but we won't be doing that we'll, we'll be going into a business carbon footprint um, and as i said before there's some actions pledges and a certification at the end of it so in addition to that, what I've added is um, discussion about alternative fuels, about uh, dropping fuels like HVO and FAME, um, alternative fuels like CNG, LNG and biomethane. Um, and we talk about hydrogen and we talk about electric and all the pros and cons of those different solutions, what the impact of the technology is, what the impact on your emissions are. Um, we don't go too detailed into you know, this return on investment and costs so we can we can cover that at a fairly high level but some of those calculations obviously are, are quite complicated and um, at the moment more so because energy prices are, are really spiking up and down um, so we say what you know we look at what is the impact of transport on emissions what can we do to reduce emissions and make our transport more um, effective and efficient what is the legislation specifically around transport what are the timelines um, where different legislation kicks in, what is a long-term goal. I think everyone's heard of net zero 2050. Um, but a lot of there's intermediate steps along the way as well uh, that affect transport and affect truck manufacturers and all those things. Um, we go into terminology. What is a carbon offset? What is a carbon footprint? Uh, and, and to try and um, 
talk about some of the terms which are, are used in this in this world and this industry. Um, then we look at how to calculate emissions from transport. We look at what's involved in carbon reporting, who is affected by carbon reporting. That's a legislative um, piece there, which which in theory only affects the very big businesses, listed companies and large companies. But what we're finding is that um, because those large companies also interact, they have subcontractors and they work with suppliers, those suppliers form part of the big companies carbon footprint or carbon emissions. So many of the big companies now are going to the smaller companies and saying, right, you're part of my, what we call scope three emissions. Um, can you tell me what your emissions are and what your plan is and how you intend to reduce them? Um, and a lot of customers and operators are getting caught short by that question. Um, a lot of operators are now seeing uh, sustainability sections on tenders that they apply for. Anyone that's applying for government or council business um, is, is seeing these options to tick and to fill in and to detail. So yeah, we go into carbon reporting, where to get the numbers from, uh, and how to make a, a net zero plan for your business really. And I think you know some of the big businesses have whole departments and they have whole teams looking at efficiency, looking at sustainability. And there's a lot of things they need to do from a legal perspective. But some of the smaller companies, they don't have that legal framework. They don't have that necessity. Um, so sometimes they think, oh, well, I'm, I'm off the hook here, or I don't have to do anything until 2035 or 2040, whenever combustion engines are banned. Um, and then the, the next week, the, you know, their, their main customer knocks on their door and said, right, we need you to reduce your emissions by X. What are you doing about it? And, and if you haven't looked into it, you stood there with a blank face and um, all of a sudden your, your contract is, is suddenly at risk that you've been doing for the last five or 10 years. So it, it, it's having a big impact on, on smaller businesses. And, and you know, the idea of the course is to make sure people are prepared, they understand what the language and the landscape is, what they can do. Um, and they're not on the back foot, really, when customers approach mm -hmm. them and saying, what are you doing in terms of sustainability? Yeah. Um, I, I see this regularly with our customers, particularly with, um, you know, bigger, bigger, bigger businesses. We're asking them what they're doing. And, mm -hmm. and it also down to, so one of the, uh, one of the key applications I see for this is we, certainly we've got several customers who have ISO 14,001. Yeah. which is around, uh, you know, so that they team that with their quality standard and their health and safety standard, and they've got environmental 14,001. And this is a fantastic project to actually meet the criteria for 14,001 as a business activity to do and making a pledge around, um, about, around their carbon reduction, making sure that they train people because uh, I've seen some weird and wonderful uh, uh, aims and objectives for people with 14,001. And actually this is, uh, this this would certainly help meet meet those meet those objectives for fourteen thousand a month. Yeah, and I think the other place which comes into the job is um, is Fours, um, and, and part of Fours Gold, I think there is a, um, a requirement to do some investigation into carbon reduction uh, and more sustainable technologies. And, I, and I, I could be wrong, and you may have more experience of this than I do, but I, I think in the main Fours are relatively happy with um i'm not going to say a, a a low effort in that area but i think they've been happy with a cursory yeah we've looked at it we've done that but i, I think are that, you saying are you saying they're happy with a bit of lip service darren um possibly 
know if you have any experience there. Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have an opinion on, um, on, on it at all, really. But uh, yeah, no, it's, um, uh, I, th- I think in reality, in fairness, I'm going to give Force a, a break because I know that this year they're doing a lot of work on um, the integrity of the standards and that they're not able to be lip service. So they, they are. I know they are trying to change it uh, yeah, as far I as think, I know. so i think they are doing some work on it but certainly i think uh they are um i think the earned recognition scheme from dvsa has kind of like pushed it uh they've pushed uh, the four standard to really have to up their game hi it's pete from flagship partners we're proud to sponsor a half dozen things podcast flagship partners help their clients become safer greener and greater through a range of consultancy and training services we offer audits through to risk assessments contracts through to support with managing your culture all the way from mandatory training through to management training as well so if you need any support please do get in touch with flagship partners today yeah, I, I, I don't want to be mean to them, and I think you know they're doing great work, and it's a, it's an it's, it's a noble objective. But I just yes, think it is absolutely. In the past, that's been in there as a as, not as a, maybe as an afterthought, but um, you know, there are less options on the table, um, and it was a less high-profile topic when fours first come out. But I think as time goes on, that will become a bigger part of the four standard as well and, and i think you know everybody um operating in, in this industry really needs to understand what's coming down the road because uh, i think you know things slowly change at first um and they can really pick up pace and accelerate and if you're not ready you know we have this sort of technology s curve where things start very slowly in the end very slowly but in the middle there's a massive acceleration and adoption um, and at some point, uh, I think, you know, the, the scales will tip between low carbon transport and high carbon transport. And I, I think, you know, at one point, you know, high carbon transport, for one of a better expression, is is the most common form of, of transport at the moment because some of the technology is very new. But uh, there will be a point um, within the next decade where that flips over. And if you're running diesel trucks, you could be in the minority, and you could be struggling to get um, you could be struggling to get work. So, you know, it's forearmed, it is forewarned. I guess is the is the phrase there. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think the key the key is is certainly I spend my time uh, a lot of time reading up research and trying to understand what what's going on in the world of of transport. And and one of the things that I always do struggle with is like you say, that I really get into grips with understanding what the landscape's going to look like over the next 10 years. And I think a lot of people in the industry are a bit concerned. Um, and uh, we have a history or a tendency in the sector to often leave things and leave things until they become a pressing problem. And uh, just so I can back that up before people start screaming at me, DVS is a really good example. The direct vision standard, everyone left that until the yeah. last minute, um, you know, and it was, it had to be delayed and, you know, people, people left it and left it. And I, I see the same thing week in, week out with driver CPC as well. You know, we've had several cycles of driver CPC <clears throat> just left it, uh, continue to leave it till the last minute. And I'm conscious that, this is going to become like you say if we end up with the situation where we have high carbon transport and low carbon transport and we have operators of each um they're going to potentially be at a competitive disadvantage longer term 
um, as they as they start to lose lose business and aren't in a position to invest. Now's the time to think about essentially that there's no. It's almost like the old adage. I know this sounds really corny, but the old adage of when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, the best time to plant a tree is twenty years ago. The yeah. second best time is today, <laughs> isn't it? And um, this is very much this is very much that, isn't it? Because people it go equipped a- into what they know. They have a habit of creeping up on you. Um, you're absolutely right. We've seen it with many different things. We've seen it with just about every euro level since 1990 that's been introduced. You know, people either pre-buying the old spec or, you know, um, we've seen it with uh, EGR versus SCR. We've seen it with digital tachographs. You know, the, these, these, and those aren't even big changes, really, but these these kind of step changes in legislation or technology um, tend to tend to um, have a disruptive effect and and you know no one in transport likes disruption it's it's the enemy of what everyone in logistics and transport does um so you know if, if what we don't want is a is a two-tier transport system where you've got those that do and those that don't um you know so we, we need to have an integrated transport system and, and that means everyone working at their own pace um at, at their own um investment level and things like that and, and i think you know it's not all about spending money in investment it's just about understanding what's possible and, and there's many unanswered questions you know there are there is no battery electric six by two for example there is no hydrogen products to speak of on the market so there's a lot of could be would be should be in the future but a lot of these things aren't here today so it's not really about you know how much money do I need to spend, and and you know how much is this going to cost me? But it's just about understanding what direction the technology may go in. What things do you need to think about? What do you need to plan for? Because you know EVs are, are seen as sort of the big saviour by some people in some sectors, um, but the vehicle is very much a small part of the EV journey, and infrastructure, and charging, and supply to your depot, and upgrading of of your supply through your district network operator and all those things, they take a lot of time and they take a lot of planning. I don't know if you saw this week, but there was a, um, a council and I, I, I'm not going to name them because I can't quite remember, but somewhere in the sort of East Midlands, I think there was a council that uh, just parked up a load of EVs because they hadn't got the charging sorted. They hadn't got the supply to their site sorted. And, and there's, you know, uh, a multi-million pound investment sat in a field um, which wow. is which is horrible to see. Um, yeah. No doubt, someone's going to get their knuckles wrapped for that. Um, but it, <laughs> it's not in anyone's interest is it, to, to you know, put the cart, cart before the horse, um, to order trucks before you you know where they're going, and, and that you can operate them and charge them. Um, yeah, and so. Uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm sort of listening and, and sort of working uh, through sort of uh, the the agenda and the thought thought process I had with the podcast. I just wanted to clarify for people listening who who would you suggest is like the ideal target market for for this type of learning with the carbon literacy uh, thing, uh, work that we're doing? Because in in my head, I'm seeing um, the bigger bigger more corporate uh, uh, fleet operators chances are we'll have sustainability managers who are who, who are sort of becoming and learning to become experts in this area. We're, we're sort of targeting this more independent operators, aren't we? And potentially we the, the senior leadership within those sort of medium size, uh, potentially large size as well, because, you know, you, you need to be some, some size operation to be able to justify a full-time sustainability person. Um, but essentially this is for strategic level 
um, senior managers, directors, that kind of thing, owners of uh, medium, small, medium, and large size operators. Is that is that sort of where your headspace is at with with it, Darren? From it is, point yeah. There's, there's two pieces of um, legislation around this which will affect certain companies. But there's there's um, FCCR. This is Streamlined Energy and Carbon Reporting. It's mandatory for uh, any listed company. So if you're on the stock exchange, um, any large company as defined by the Companies Act 1988, whenever it was. Um, and the criteria, I think, is you have to have 250 employees. Um, I think you have to have a £35 million turnover and an £18 million balance sheet. If you're there or above, you have to do um, SECR reporting, which is, as I say, streamlined energy and carbon reporting. So that is reporting up the chain, just like you do with your annual accounts, all of your emissions from vehicle use and fuel use, from gas use, electric use, any industrial processes, all of that stuff has to be reported. Um, and within that, there are, um, there are three categories of emissions. We have scope one emissions, and they are all direct emissions from that business. So anything that is emitted on site or through the vehicle, or sorry, or through the company's assets. So that's all your diesel for your trucks. Um, that's all of your fuel um, for your forklift. That's any energy that you get to your site that you burn on site that you use on site. So that's your scope one emissions there, emitted by the assets owned by the business. Um, then we have scope two emissions. And they are any emissions which are emitted elsewhere from energy that you import. So that's really the emissions from the electric power station on the electricity that you buy and run your business, whether it's for lights, whether it's from computers or whether it's for commercial vehicles. Um, and then we have this big scope three. And scope three is all emissions which aren't part of your company's assets, but are emitted by other people because of what your company does. So that's all of your materials in inbound supply. If anyone does anything because you've given them an order number to do it, that's your scope three emissions. So if you're getting suppliers to bring stuff into your RDC and you're taking it out, well, those suppliers emissions are your scope three emissions. So, so the supermarkets, for example, um, if you're delivering into an RDC for a supermarket, let's say you, you run a small farm and you're delivering eggs or something like this, um, mm -hmm you're that supermarket's scope three emissions and you could be several supermarkets scope three emissions now scope three up until uh, now it's been voluntary so companies have to report their scope one they have to report their scope two but their scope three has been voluntary or optional now you might think that means nobody does it that's not true at all because you know the, the organizations that are on this journey um, want to be seen to be doing the right thing and everyone has an obligation to, to do the right thing. And I'll go back to that in a moment. But um, So scope three is becoming more and more prevalent. It will at some point become part of the legislation. So at that, at that point, all of the big companies that use subcontractors, they use suppliers, and even if you just supply you know, office equipment um, into a big organisation, if they're in that category for reporting they're going to be knocking on your door one day saying what are your carbon emissions have you got a plan to reduce them um can you share that with me and at that point in time that's when the customer's on the back foot so it's the people that are going to be approached by, by those big businesses to say 
your part of my third grid. That's who this is really aimed at, so that they can have a, a sensible, informed, knowledgeable conversation about what they are doing, what they can do, what support they would need to do that. Because many, many um, big organisations will pay more for sustainable transport if they're trying to reduce their own emissions and they've got a cho choice of two suppliers, one running, let's say, electric vans and one running diesel vans, there's a good chance, you know, even if they have to pay a little bit more, they're going to go with the guy running EVs because it impacts their carbon footprint, which is you know, on their annual reporting to their to their customers. So that's SECR. So that is okay. driving a lot of this change. Um, there's a there's a, another piece of legislation which is uh, called ESUS, which is the Energy Savings Opportunity Scheme, and, and there's a, quite a bit of overlap. Again, it, it's it's big companies that are affected in general. Um, and this is about energy efficiency, but it, it, it's really to the same end, to reduce carbon emissions. So mm -hmm. um, any big companies that fall into that will have staff. They'll have sustainability staff departments um, and they'll have a view on it and have energy management systems and all of this. Um, so those guys don't really need a great deal of help. Uh, sometimes they do, don't get me wrong. Um, because often the sustainability people aren't really transport people. And I think, you know, this is what the, the, the area that I'm trying to fill is that that interface between transport people, because that's what I am essentially, and sustainability. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of sustainability have, have studied sustainability and come through, you know, industry that way. And, and, you know, they know about cars because most people know about cars. They know a little bit about vans because... People see quite a few vans, but when it comes to trucks and heavy trucks and transport and logistics, they really don't know. So no. I do I do work with some of those people, but in the main, it's it's the smaller people that haven't got sustainability staff. They're focused on running their business. They want to do the right thing. They want to be prepared when the question comes, um, and they want to have a plan. So yeah, that's really where it's um, where it's fantastic. Man. Do you know what? I've just learned so much because I had no idea about either of those pieces of legislation. So I don't know whether that makes me massively ignorant, but I had no idea at all about them. So um, they, don't you, they don't affect you. But you know, yeah. one day, you know, if you if you work for a big organisation, now I imagine your footprint relatively small. But uh, I don't know if anyone's ever knocked on your door and asked you what you're doing. Have you got a net zero plan? no 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 one no one has um you know we've just not we've just not got that far ahead yet but it is something so i've got i'm I'm consciously aware that our customers are going to be in that position so i certainly want to be the reason the reason for wanting to discuss this is that we want to be there to be able to support them uh, yeah. as and when this becomes part of part of the agenda so to, to that end um essentially if um you know people are interested in uh the the carbon literacy training that we're we're going to be offering we there is going to be options to be able to do it put uh, like specific in-house courses some people might want uh you darren to come and train within their business to uh potentially their directors and that can be run like darren said it needs to be eight hours so that could either be a really exhaustive day or potentially two shorter days um or uh we are going to be looking around quarter two to be uh, to be offering essentially open courses that companies can put maybe one or two people on 
um, at, at flagship partners in Peterborough um, about Q2 time, uh, an expected cost to give people an idea of that. We're thinking around the £300 a person mark. So it's not, this isn't going to be a driver CPC course. It's a completely different um, kettle of fish, as you've heard from, uh, from Darren just now. You know, we're talking about climate science, change causes, policy. Um, we're going to be really actually addressing specifically, you know, your business and also making pledges as well. So that the value is going to be absolutely huge for your business, particularly if you're looking at falls, if you're looking at ISO standards, if you're looking at earned recognition, or if you're starting to operate with these larger businesses um, and fall under that legislation, you're going to be well equipped to be able to help support them and be be sort of in a really good uh, really good position so uh, yeah. i'd suggest that at the moment you will sorry sorry Dan. can i just insert that or if you just want to do the right thing you know you may be under no commercial or legal absolutely yeah yeah you may, have a, you may have a you know a view of of your, the future of this world and you may want to you know do some do some Think for the right reasons without any you know impetus from legislation or commercial means absolutely i think um i think and and, and ultimately it is going to be doing the right thing so you've got the moral you've got the moral issue you've kind of got the financial issue but then you, you're also going to be strategically there's you're going to be doing the right thing but also getting yourself uh getting your, getting your business prepared ahead of time and yeah. uh, and give yourself the knowledge uh, that you need to be able to to, to cope with that. So yeah. um, have I have I missed anything, Darren? What have I what have I sort of missed out of uh, out of our discussion and summary so far? Is there anything that I've not asked that I should have asked? Well, no, but I think what I'd like to say the intention of the course um, that we're going to put on together is it's going to be face to face, and and the idea there is yeah, there's a lot of information which I think I went through a lot of the different topics earlier, but. Really, I think the benefit of a face-to-face -face course is we can all ask the dumb questions. We can all ask, how does this affect me? You know, this is my fleet. This is what I do. How can I do something? What can we be done here? So uh, I think for me, the idea of having a relatively small group of people, we can really get into the detail. And, and the idea is you can come away from that course with a, uh, a good um, ability to write your own net zero plan and to, mm -hmm. to, and to put your own emissions on a piece of paper and to you know, think about what they are and be prepared with that you know information for when someone knocks on your door or they don't but yeah you know, as i said before there's a there's there's a, a bunch of legislation there's a bunch of targets there's a bunch of incentives to get us from where we are today to net zero at 2050 and if you add all of those legislation together if you add all the targets and all the guidelines it's still massively short of the carbon reduction we need to do. And that needs to come from changes of, of the way we live, the way we work. It needs to come from voluntary action of individuals. It needs to come from voluntary action of businesses to be doing the right thing. And, and legislation can only take us so far. There has to be a willingness to actually do the right thing here. And I think that's you know, many people think, oh, well, the government will just legislate and, you know, the truck manufacturers will just provide us with clean products and we just buy them when the time's right and, you know, everything's fine. The situation, you know, the situation we're in and, and, you know, there's every opinion out there in the world about what's happening um, with the climate, but the overwhelming evidence is it's getting worse and worse and some of these 
things. We just don't know what the runaway effect is going to be and who's going to be impacted. So there is a real moral dimension to this of what you know that we should be doing the right thing. And as I said before, you know, I'm not here to preach. I'm just here to navigate people through it and people that want to do things. I'm going to help them do that, do what they can. And and you know, there's lots of things you can do which don't involve investing money, changing your business model, buying new technology. There's lots of sensible things that you can do um, around being a little bit more efficient. And that's, to me, that's the always the important first step is make sure you're doing the best you can today with what you've got today. You know, make sure you're measuring your efficiency, make sure you, you know where your emissions are coming from. Um, it's very often you can easily buy a product which is better than another product that doesn't cost anything more. So there, there are lots of things you can do in terms of improving your fuel consumption through driver training, through you know reduced idling, through uh, aerodynamics. Uh, there's lots of ways you can you can you know you can start small and grow as you learn. So there's lots of things you can do. But the important thing is you know there is a gap between legislation um, and where we need to get to, which has to be filled with voluntary commitments and actions fantastic fantastic and it leads me it leads me really well darren actually onto my next podcast i'm interviewing shortly uh, a good friend of mine a guy called mark shortland who works in a completely different industry for shop He's, his company's called Shoplight, and they recently became a b corp have you heard of b corp before i have yeah it's um yeah an interesting concept i think and and actually he they've so they're essentially b corp is around uh people planet profit so it's around uh essentially doing the right thing for people and having this accountability around uh, people and how they look after the people within their business and also the people affected by their business as well as the their their planet their carbon um the things they do um those, those kinds of things and uh, it's going to be really interesting to hear from him he's in a completely different industry but he's had to do a lot of uh, a lot of work around um, the impact they have um, in the work they do and the, the lighting that they buy and how the lighting comes in and how it's manufactured and you know all that sort of stuff so I think it's um, I think it's important that and, and the reason I raise that and actually Mark's going to be an interesting guest is that he's out of a completely different industry and a lot of our stuff we talk about fleet and we often feel like oh, it's all on our shoulders and you know it's only us but actually there's companies all right. over from different industries this is this is uh, you know this is not just a transport problem this is a global a global situation which is affecting every single business it, it is and uh, you know my brother works in the building um sector he's a he's a surveyor and more and more he's looking at building efficiency and insulation and, and energy retention and all of those things and it is becoming higher up everyone's agenda you know we've seen a few things happen uh, last year, we, we've seen air quality on the first death certificate, quite a somber subject, but it, it's, mm. you know, that's the first time that's happened. And some argue that's, well, that's a political move. But, you know, these things are, are, are changing. You know, the social contract is is changing. And I think everyone's a part of that. And it's not just trucks. Um, mm. It's not just transport. It's, it's everything. You know, how we heat our homes, how we conserve energy, how we cook our food. Um, the products that we buy, the companies that we interact with, all of these things have an influence um, about the, the shape of the world in the future. And, you know, I don't want to be a, 
uh, a doomsday um, <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh it's, it's all good, doom, it's all good. But it's, uh, you know there's some scary things going on isn't there um, absolutely absolutely um i look forward uh darren to be inundated with people inquiring about the carbon literacy training that we're offering so um if if people are interested and want to get in touch um use hello at flagshippartners.co.uk have a look at our website um we're going to be launching a, a page soon to detail more about the training um get in touch with me direct get in touch with darren direct um uh it's darren newman on linkedin probably worth looking at him as the as the carbon moderator i think that's your new name <laughs> linkedin carbon <laughs> moderator <laughs> um thank you for listening uh quick shout out i've been drinking out of central aggregates mug i got i went to earn recognition audit for central aggregates i don't know if you know them in colville darren um, yeah, i don't know them personally but, but I yeah, yeah so i went i've been at an earned recognition audit they're keen keen podcast listeners and oh, uh, they've asked me to give them a shout out. So big shout out to Central Aggregates. Thanks for the mug. The coffee was amazing. Thank you. Um, right. Aggregates. <laughs> <laughs> um, Darren, it's been a pleasure having you on. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll probably make it a third one as time gets closer and we're looking at Q2 and uh, we're going to be uh, looking at really sort of gearing up launching uh, the carbon literacy training. I think we'll probably have a have a little revisit but uh hopefully the listeners got a lot of value out of it and thanks for thanks for coming on darren really appreciate it mate no no problem you're welcome yeah and i, I think once we've got a few courses under our belt then we can see what the feedback is and share that with some of your listeners as well so i, I think that'd be a fantastic opportunity yeah brilliant thank you very much darren and thank you for listening see you later everybody cheers everybody bye-bye bye-bye i really hope you loved today's episode and if you did please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners, and we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.